You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 3, Episode 4, Evangelical Christianity. Content warning for this episode, it contains racist language. Well, I'm going to draw you something here, and uh, this standpoint of art, and you see, you might kid somebody about this integration stuff, you never fool an artist or a barber. A barber will tell you the three kinds of hair, and they come from three different follicles. One follicle puts out straight hair, and one follicle puts out wavy hair, and one follicle puts out kinky hair. <laughs> and you wouldn't fool a dog. Dogs, barbers, and artists, you're not going to fool. <laughs> uh, dogs go by smell, and you white people have a distinctive odor. And if you talk to an honest nigger, he'll tell you it's like a wet chicken. That's what he'll say. Or sometimes they call you turkey. And a black man has a smell. And an oriental has a smell. Now, old Ruckman, Ruckman, you're afoot. I wasn't born yesterday or the day before. I've been around. I've been most everywhere. There's a song about that. (laughs) But you take... If I'm in a Quonset hut at night over in the Philippines, out there in the jungle, and a flip comes in there, they call them gooks, <laughs> a flip comes in the middle of the night and goes through that night, I can smell him when he comes in the, do- in the door. Now, those guys in Vietnam, you really smell that, and that's, of course, what they eat. They eat a thing that, uh, I mean, that thing puts out an odor, boy. You can smell that thing a half a mile off. But a Filipino or a Chinese or Japanese has an odor. I don't, shower, right guard, left guard, they have an odor. I said to my colored mate one time, I said, you know, I said, do, you, do us white folks smell it's funny, funny to you as you do to us? <laughs> and she said, yes, sir, boy, she sure do. <laughs> um, she, is, she is honest, you know. The horribly racist sermon you were just listening to is a sermon by Peter Ruckman, who was a pastor with the Independent Fundamental Baptist tradition. Today on my show, my guest, Tony joins me to talk about growing up in the IFB tradition and the harm that evangelical Christianity does to children. Welcome, Tony. Tony, can you tell me, were you born into the church or did you join later on? I was indeed born into it. I mean, the first church they went to was a Nazarite church, actually. And I was there for the first two years of my awareness, basically. So like the earliest memory I have was being four years old in a Sunday school class in the basement and being told about hell. Like that's the very first memory that I can think of. And they, they weren't, they weren't as, as as extreme, but um, they were pretty old school. And then, yeah. So from the age of six until 23, For people who might not be aware of the reputation of the Church of the Nazarene, it has a reputation of being one of the more militant, one of the more uh, fundamentalist churches. 
Yeah, so actually that's that's funny because I because I spent such a short amount of time there, I I I actually am not too aware of how if if they're very extreme or not. So yeah, that's funny to find out that it wasn't really that far off, actually. What is Independent Fundamental Baptist? Independent Fundamental Baptist is a specific domin- denomination of the of Christianity. They mostly hold to a kind of core doctrine um, that kind of that doesn't really change amongst the other churches. the the most The most kind of uh, I would say like core one is that they believe in autonomy of the local church meaning that the church is supposed to govern itself. There's not really supposed to be uh, any kind of hierarchy. And that's kind of where a lot of other stuff kind of springs from. So, you know, you'll see some some IFB churches will be hardcore on certain things that others won't be. But really, for the most part, I would say any of the stuff that I have experience with, most of the other churches kind of fell in line with with. Okay, so is that the same as when people say non-denominational Christian? They do still consider themselves a denomination. So, but that they just they separate themselves from other Baptist churches because they have they have, you know, like uh associations that are kind of governmental where if you want to be a pastor in a, you know, American Baptist association, you have to sign on to their credos and independent fundamental Baptist, you don't have to do that. You just have to get ordained by somebody or something. What were the major teachings of the church that you went to? <laughs> so, a lot of it is very very much not doctrinal. They really are focused on lifestyle more than anything. Um, so, you know, like just like uh, holy living and like to follow Christ and stuff. You have to you have to try to be Christ-like. But to them, Christ-like it really it really ventures into more legalistic than it does ever be like more grace. So, you know, like a lot of the preaching I heard that was against sin was against like women wearing jeans and like rock and roll music and like going to movie theaters and uh, uh, homosexuality uh, was a big thing, a uh, huge thing, massive thing. So uh, it was, they, they really didn't preach as much of what they stood for than what they were against. So, you know, you, if you ask an independent fundamental Baptist pastor, what do you, what do you believe in? They, they might go down the list and rattle off, you know, uh, we believe in the priesthood of believers that, you know, every believer has the ability to interact with God and you don't need a priest and uh, separation of church and state. And, you know, they, they have all these doctrinal beliefs, but they don't really spend that much time actually like teaching them too much or what they mean. And when they do, uh, I mean, it's just kind of, they, <laughs> they have a tendency not to even stay on target and then they they get pissed off because they saw somebody at the grocery store the other day wearing jeans, so some woman or something. It's crazy. It's nuts. Did you go to Sunday school? What did they teach there? Yeah. So, I, I mean, we were there Wednesdays, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Every time the doors were open, we were there. So I was in Sunday school and they really start in early on teaching you not to question too much. You know, I remember as a kid hearing some stuff and I'd ask a question and it would just get shut down. And it would just basically be like, you know, sometimes, you know, questioning is good, but sometimes that can be the work of devil of the devil to sow 
seeds of doubt into your heart. And, you know, like that's, that's something that they really start drilling into you early. Um, that, and obviously, as I said before, that I, the, my first memory was hell. They really drill hell into you early too. As a kid, were you scared by all the hell talk? <laughs> yeah. Horrified. Always. Even after, even after I went through, you know, the, uh, supposed, so, um, I was told that when I was six years old that I accepted Christ into my heart, that I got saved is the lingo, you know, which is basically there uh, to be saved. You just have to pray to God, ask Jesus to come into your heart, save you from your sins, and you're saved, and that's it. And they told me I did that when I was six, I was six years old. And I just kind of took their word for it that I did that, and, you know, they baptized me on this stuff. But, uh, you know, as I got older, um, I, I started kind of – I started having, like, all these conflicts because – I was told that, and I was told that once you're saved, you're always saved, but I couldn't remember doing it. So I was like constantly afraid of like, what if I actually didn't do it and I'm going to hell? <laughs> like that was just a thought that was in my mind like 10, 11, 12 years old, just like riding in the car and just like sitting back there and like, what if I'm going to go to hell and burn forever? At that age, you also learn about peer pressure. So were you worried that you could be peer pressured into going to hell? Well, I suppose there's a bit of lead bearing here because uh, because of what they believe, the church advocates a lot to not put your children into public school and either put them into a uh, one of their Baptist Christian schools or to homeschool. So I was homeschooled the whole way through. Were you homeschooled with a standardized evangelical curriculum? We've heard on this show before about the curricula that they have for quiverful people, for instance. So there was some of that. It was it was kind of a mixed bag. So there was some of that. I, I know No Greater Joy was involved in it, which they are they are a quiverful kind of group. Um, but um, there was also some uh, Bob Jones stuff in there, and then there was also uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but there was this guy who was like a supposedly a scientist who then you know saw Jesus and then wrote his own science curriculum that was Bible based, which is you know the world was created in seven days and 6,000 years ago and all that stuff. Was mom in charge of homeschooling you? Yep. Yep. So she was in charge of homeschooling me and she mostly taught me up until I was about 12 years old, but I was kind of a, and still am a nerdy kid. I was very interested in learning. So there became a point where she wasn't she wasn't really qualified to teach at that level. And I was interested in learning anyway. So she would just give me the curriculum. I would learn it. And then she would, she would administer the test. You know, she would give me the test printed out and sit there and watch me make sure I wasn't cheating or something. But um, yeah, it was mostly, it was mostly really independent after I turned 12 or 13. It sounds like your family was really into it. Is that accurate? Oh, extremely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very, very into it. My mom way more than my dad, like my dad would do some stuff that wasn't like he, or he would like, there's some things that he would be into that like, you know, weren't part of the, you know, the pastor would probably not approve of, but it, yeah, my mom was extremely in it. You were at Sunday school and other services a lot. Did you have any extracurriculars as a kid that didn't involve the church? Vacation Bible school happened every summer, which was about a week of going to meetings and, you know, hearing preaching and learning Bible verses. Um, that happened every summer. Uh, some summers I went to multiple ones. There was a summer camp that I started going to, summer camp and a winter camp that I started going to as a teenager. 
Um, there were youth activities, so it was just uh, uh, pretty much like it wasn't always just Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. It, you know, it, there was there was there's weeks I could think of where you know I was only in in church or church functions. Were you aware as a kid that that wasn't how other kids' lives were? I was vaguely aware of it because there because of how much they were pro homeschooling. You know, like I knew that there were other kids that, you know, they were they were at public school and, you know, they played sports and stuff like that. But, you know, I was basically told that, that those kids were, were heathens and basically their parents didn't care about them. So the rare time that you would be around worldly children, what was that like for you? It was it was stressful because, you know, the the need to want friends or the, the, the kind of biological you want friends. Uh, sometimes, you know, would kick in and, and, you know, I'd be hanging out with the kid and they would, you know, say a dirty word and I would be like, oh no, like, what do I do? <laughs> do I tell them not to say that because it's sinful or do I just like let it go? And I'd sit like, I'd just kind of like have anxiety and like, you know, some of the kids every now and then would notice it. And then some of them, because, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't understand, you know, like I would, you know, they would turn to bullying me, which, you know, I mean, <laughs> you kid stuff, you know, it wasn't anything hardcore, but, uh, and then some of the kids, you know, would kind of be weird in their own ways and they wouldn't even catch on to it. So. So tell me about the leader of your church, who was he and what was he sort of known for preaching? Leader of my church was an older guy. He had been doing, he had been a pastor for pretty much pretty near his whole life. Um, he got saved, uh, you know, he got converted when he was in his teenage years. And then he went to, he went to a smaller Bible college, I believe that I don't think is functioning anymore, but they were kind of an offshoot of, they were, uh, I believe an alumni of a big, big group, uh, in a big, big college called Hiles Anderson college. Um, and that's where he learned a lot of his stuff and kind of learned of his hero that he talked about all the time, which was Jack Hiles. Um, and that guy was his kind of, that was his big inspiration. I mentioned him in the pulpit all the time. He's a very, <clears throat> he was, he was a very kind of gruff man, very serious, very somber, uh, really tall, kind of had a very intimidating kind of posture to him. His daughters would talk like in, in the youth group, his daughters would talk that he had a temper, but he was really good at not showing that to anybody in the church. Um, but, there were times where like he definitely scared scared me like he's he was intimidating do you remember any of the sermons what were they like a lot of them they they kind of all blur together at some point but essentially the style would be to pick a chapter of the bible and kind of go through it verse by verse and expound on what the verses were saying um, of course, you know, uh, as interpreted, you know, they would usually spiral into what you need to do as a believer um, and what you need not to do. And as I was like saying before, a lot of what you need not to do. So, you know, just uh, that we need to be separated from the world. So that was a big thing is like you shouldn't have it like that was a thing that they taught is that you shouldn't really have many friends outside of the church. Like, you know, you should try to talk to them and, like, lead them to Christ, but you shouldn't be friends with them because that's being unequally yoked with the uh, non-believers, uh, kind of a verse taken out of 
contact someone. But they would really, they really would be read a verse of the Bible and then just kind of holler and scream about women wearing pants or, or you know, sometimes it would veer away from the silly and be like how gay people are are sinful and they need to come to Jesus or they're going to go to hell and burn and, uh, you know that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so. And and our pastor was he was he was more he was less incendiary about it than a lot of the sermons I heard from other people and people that he even kind of hung out with, which was kind of like a weird thing because it's like oh if you are saying that well you need to hate the sin and love the sinner why do you hang out with some of these people who you know think that homosexuals should get beaten up like you know it was kind of a weird thing to to kind of see him say that and take this stance supposedly and but still hang out with and promote these other pastors in his circles who would say that kind of thing. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.